Hey, it's the Modern Mama, and welcome back to another episode with us. I'm so excited for you guys to be listening. Today's episode, we're going to talk about teaching your child and family consent. So let's get into that. And today's question for our listeners is, what are some habits you are subconsciously teaching to your kids that you might want to undo? Have you ever heard of these statements or have you ever said these statements yourself? Can you give grandma a hug? Uncle Matthew loves to squeeze your cheeks. You aren't going to let me kiss you? I'm so sad. Yeah, cringy, but I have definitely heard those statements. Not particularly in English, but I have definitely heard People say to me as a kid and other kids, oh, you're not going to hug me? Oh, you're not going to kiss me? Oh, you're so rude. Does your parents, they never really say parents, does your mother not teach you manners? How to be respectful to adults? How could they do this? Clearly you are a rude child. Yeah, that was a conversation an adult had with me about the reason why I wouldn't give them a kiss on both cheeks. Apparently, because I chose to say no, my mom is a terrible mother and I am a terrible child. (sighs) Welcome to being Haitian or welcome to being an ethnic person. This is often a lot of our stories, a lot of our lives, whether you are a person of color or not. We have met people in our lives who feel entitled to our bodies, who feel entitled to us, especially and especially our children. And I wanted to talk about how we can avoid or start to put a rift in those kinds of conversations because it's really, really important for your kids to know No matter who the person is, they have a choice, and your kids will always have a choice. And so, like I mentioned earlier, I am am Haitian, Haitian born and raised. My entire family is Haitian, every single ounce of us. My husband is Haitian, my daughter is Haitian, we are all Haitian bred. And so, there's no escaping this kind of... um, cultural idea though a lot of us newer you know modern mamas and papas we are changing that narrative because it makes no sense no one should be forced to do anything they don't want to especially kiss or hug or touch people it's really awkward and it's also one of the main reasons molestation sexual assault and rape is prevalent in our communities and no one says anything about it because we are forced at times to just kiss someone and shut up. Be respectful, close your mouth, and don't be in anyone else's business. And that is not the way we are trying to raise our baby or any other babies. And so we're going to be honest, though. I want for my kids to be affectionate. I love affection. I love kissing and I love hugging and I love telling people I love you and I am a hugger. And so how do I allow and know and let my child know that they can hug people and they can give people kisses but 
everyone has a choice on whether they want to be hugged, whether they want to be kissed, and same for themselves. And so this is a conversation that needs to be had when your child is a lot younger. So the perfect age is around three, uh, because by that time they have a more focused vocabulary, two or three, obviously depending on your child's development, of course, but they typically have a more focused vocabulary by, vocabulary by then. They can identify their body parts and they can identify the differences in other sexes or other people and what they have and what they don't have. And so your child around this age of two, three, four will start to ask questions. Uh, you know, if they're a boy, why does mommy have boobies? Why does pop, pop, me and papa have a penis? And, you know, and so these are topics that will start to come up because they're curious and they're wondering. And so one thing that I do want to know is that it is gravely, gravely, like dead ass, <laughs> serious, and it's very important that you teach your kids the scientific names for their body parts. Very, very important. No more daddy's little, you know, wee-wee and the little ding-a-ling and the little wiggle-wiggle worm or mommy's little coochie, a little poom-poom, a little toot-toot or whatever. Whatever y'all call it, do not. Those make those those um, parts of the body seem not fun in a sense, but fun. You know, it, it's, it's not seen as a, a serious thing. And we want our kids to know that these are really the terms. It's a, it's a penis. It's breast. It's a vulva. The inside is a vagina. It's an anus. It's armpit, eyeball, you know, nose, things like that. Because when things happen or people are talking to them and they're having conversations with people, they need to be able to know what is happening in these conversations. I have been around kids in elementary grade school. I've heard conversations, you know, involving sexual natures in the first grade, second, third, oh, fourth is terrible. Um, fifth, I mean, you would think, well, a six-year-old is not going to talk about that, but um, someone in their house does. Someone around them does. You cannot cover every single conversation the kid hears. You cannot cover every single ad, every single show or video or song that they hear and that they listen to. And when you choose not to teach them the correct things, someone else will teach it to them and it will be wrong. And so I always like to let parents know get ahead of the situation before you have to try to chase it behind chasing it is a lot harder and so with your child knowing the correct terms they are a lot more confident in themselves and their in their anatomy they are able to direct and have conversations with people who may be trying to harm your child or have quote-unquote secrets we agree that we will not have any secrets in this household. There is no such thing as a secret. There are a lot. There are surprises, of course. We can surprise one another because eventually you end up knowing. But a secret is something forever. A secret is something that is hidden forever, that is not told forever. 
And we don't do that. Everything comes out in the light in this house. So you're going to say what you have to say. And we're going to say it out loud. And so we we want to be mindful of the nature that we're trying to keep away. So those two are incredibly important. Besides that, it really is hard to hear your child say no to something that maybe you just wanted. Maybe you did just want a hug or a high five or a kiss. You know, maybe it was a hard day. You just wanted to feel your child and they're like, uh, get away from me. Um, and, you know, it's it's up to us as adults, functioning adults, to realize that our kids can say no to us. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I mean, growing up in the 90s, saying no to your parent, I mean, are you asking for an ass whooping? Why are you saying no to them? How, how dare you? How, what authority do you have to tell your parents no? Jeez, I can't even believe it. And so it's unlearning all of those toxicity moments in our lives, those traumatic events that occurred where we were abused or we were, you know, molested, if you were, or any kind of sexual assault, and we either normalized it or we didn't tell anyone, and we definitely don't want these cycles repeating. And so if you have never experienced those, then thank God. If you have, like myself, then we are definitely trying to teach our kids how to be more hyper-aware, how to be more vigilant, and just how to be safe. And these, this is one of the ways that you can. And so giving children the power and tools to choose how they show affection can significantly impact how comfortable they feel drawing boundaries later on in life. We know a lot of adults who have hard time saying no. They get easily um, drifted into peer pressure or they, they feel obligated at times to do things that they may not feel comfortable doing. And that's one of the reasons when you lack the confidence in your inner child, it will always come out eventually. And so practicing, narrating, and giving your child different roles and playing scenarios in those roles will allow your child to learn specific languages in conversations and how to express their choices or what they may want. Of course, we want our child to always, if they don't want something, to be firm in their answer. But we want them to understand that there are people who will try to coerce you into swaying your answer. And so if you say no, be firm, be strong in that. If it seems like they're trying to force you out of your answer, then that's a red flag. We want to teach our kids to be to listen carefully to the language people are using. What are their body languages as well? Silent words. Body language is one of the most important things to watch out for. And sometimes we don't. Someone may seem sweet. Their tone may seem sweet, but their body language is aggressive. And we want for our kids to be able to be mindful of what that can look like or what that can seem like. And so here are some things that, though our daughter is young, we've done, I've done for my little brothers, my younger cousins um, who are now 14, 15, 16. So they're, you know, in high school, almost in college. And, you know, they're getting into that world of asking other people for their own consent. And so um, it, these tips have worked amazingly on them. There are some amazing young boys who will ask 
for your consent till the day they die. <laughs> and one of the very most important things is modeling it yourself. That is a crucial point in anything that you do as a parent. If you want your kids to be kind, you have to be kind. If you want your kids to have patience, you have to have patience yourself. If you want your kids to not be a quitter, well, if they see mama and papa quitting every five seconds, then what do you think they're going to be? If you want your kids to be intelligent, helpful, happy, whatever it is that you would want your kids to be, you have to give them the space and the environment that they can actually be that. Because if all you're providing is negativity, then they can't actually be anything different. And so modeling it yourself. Before you hug or kiss your own child, even if they're nonverbal, try asking for their permission. May I give you a kiss? Chances are they'll say yes, but if they say no, honor their request and try not to express your disappointment. This definitely takes a little bit longer for me because I just love my little baby's kisses. But I have to also let her know that it's okay to say no. And another thing as well that I let parents know is your child should know it's okay for other people to have a reaction to their emotions. The same way that your child is allowed to express their emotions openly, anyone else is allowed to express their emotions openly as well. And if you know you did not hurt them, you know, you weren't rude, you weren't disrespectful, you didn't physically hurt them, you are not in charge of their emotions or trying to change it neither. And so that's really important because you know, let's say someone, an older person was to ask your child for a hug and act like they're sad and, you know, fake cry or, you know, act like they really, their feelings are hurt. That might sway your child to, oh, okay, I can give you a hug now. And we don't want that. That's coercion, first of all. Um, <laughs> red flag. And two, now our child is going to think it's okay to manipulate that it's okay to, you know, I can act someone or I can be sad, pretend to be sad and I'll get what I want, which is still manipulation. But we, we definitely don't want those habits as well. And so this is, a, this is a long, drawn out lesson. This is not something that happens in one day, in one year. These are conversations you should be having often. Consent changes, how someone thinks changes, emotions change, conversations change. And so we've been talking about consent with my little brother who's about to be 14 since he was born. He was born in the house with three women. <laughs> he had to ask for everything. And we made sure that he understood that even if we may not have reacted to him in a healthy way, that we weren't upset with him personally. And we always try to let him know, you know, we're sorry for how we reacted to him and stuff. But my point is, it's important for your kids to know these things throughout their childhood. It's just not a one-time conversation. And so modeling it yourself, very, very important. Um, once again, you want your kids to be confident in their answers and knowing that it's okay for their answer to be their answer. No hard feelings, right? Another one, and I know a lot of people might have a problem with this one, or it might be controversial for some people, but we think tickling. I used to hate tickling. 
like a lot until I met my husband and I let my guard down and I was like, oh, this is fun. But I, I had to think back as to why I hated tickling. And um, I, I'm, I might dwell into this topic a little later on how you can move forward from a traumatic, um, sexual, abusive childhood. But tickling never really was a good feeling. You know, someone's fingers always ended somewhere else that they weren't supposed to be. And it can be really weird when that happens. We all know when something just doesn't feel right. And no matter how young your kid, tickling can be very inappropriate very quickly. And so the critical thing about tickling is that when your child or a child says stop or no, you need to stop immediately. I am fucking tired of grown ass men tickling a fucking child and the kid is literally like, no, <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> and they're still going. Stop and ask them if you really want me to stop. Give them a second to breathe and let them really see if they want to stop. Most of the time they actually do. Just because someone is laughing does not mean that they're actually having fun. And this goes for even as we get older. There's a lot of people, me, myself, when I get asked something and it's really awkward or I'm put, I'm put on the spot, I tend to laugh. It's an anxiety move. It's a move of nervousness. You, you, it's almost like a tick. You just laugh, just to kind of shy away from the awkwardness and I'll say no. A lot of people don't take that no seriously, but I'm dead ass. And so stop the tickling for a moment. Ask, do you really want me to stop tickling? If they say, no, you can continue, then great. If they're like, yes, I want you to stop. It's hurting me. Or maybe you're tickling them too hard. Some of y'all don't understand that nails should not be involved in tickling. If you're tickling somebody with your fingernail, stop fucking tickling them. You're scratching them, okay? It's not a fun thing. It hurts now. Ugh, I've hated, I've always hated tickling. <laughs> and so it can be confusing because you were both having so much fun and laughing so hard that it's natural to want to keep going, of course. But when someone says stop or no, you have to stop because you don't know if they feel like it went too far or you don't, you just don't know how they may be feeling at that moment. Maybe it hurt. Maybe you hit something that didn't feel comfortable for them. Stop. Give them a moment. Or if you see that their vibe has changed, the energy has shifted, they're not really smiling anymore. They're kind of just saying, no, no. Stop. Stop. <laughs> what is up with people in the word no? No means no. Yes means yes. Unless yes means no or no means yes. But usually that's when you're older. And so, <laughs> it's just always great to be clear on what your kids mean. Especially kids, because a lot of times, yes means no, and no means yes, for real. But that's when we have to ask, do you really mean no, stop? Or do you mean yes, tickle? You want to be as simple and as clear as possible so you can understand what they want to do. This is very, it may seem... Like, oh, you're doing too much. they just kids. If you're tickling a kid, keep tickling them. They're having fun. You're trying to ruin the fun. Ah, ah, blah, 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 blah. Let me be honest with you. 
like I mentioned, I have been, I was sexually assaulted at the age of six. Tickling was usually the first step. If you say no, it really means no. I know and I have instances where I was being tickled and all of a sudden someone's hand was traveling inside of my shirt, up my armpits or whatever. It feels weird. It's definitely awkward. But I wasn't taught to be firm in my answers of no or that, oh, well, they're your cousin, so they can just do whatever. It really becomes a weird territory for your kids to be put in, especially when you're not around, for them to have that same confidence and say, oh, my gosh, this does not feel right. I want it to stop. I didn't have that confidence by myself. and. It is hurtful to think that I was silenced because of it. And so we don't want that for our kids. And we want for them to be equipped with these things in the future. And, you know, we we definitely don't want to think of everyone as a freaking pedophile and molester and some crazy person who's going to harm our child. However, I'd rather our daughter be equipped with all the tools that she needs and never have to use them than have an empty toolbox and she has a lot of broken stuff around her. So the first one was model it yourself. Second is rethink tickling. And also for rethinking tickling, kids are very nonverbal. That's why ASL and is great for them or any other form of sign language is wonderful for them. So if they've had enough, like I mentioned, you can see that change in their body, the change in their energy. Um, They will most likely arch their back, stiffen their arms and legs, or they'll try to leave. (laughs) You know, this, this is all signs of them wanting it to end. And so if you're, as an adult, bypassing those things, you might want to be more insightful into what you're doing. Um, also, if older kids are playing with them, sometimes they don't, they aren't able to see these signs. You definitely want to also teach them these signs. It's not always people who are adults who are doing these things. Of course, you know sometimes older, some older kids may not know that no means no and yes means yes. <laughs> And so it's great for all of our kids to know these so that when they are playing with one another, it is understood. After that, we're going to talk about that consent goes both ways. And so one way to explain the concept of consent, especially to a, you know, one or two year old or younger child, is to say everyone gets to decide about their own body. And then you ha- you would want to explain to them that when someone tells them to stop touching me, they need to listen to that person, even if it was okay to touch them moments before. And so just in the same light that we want to teach our kids, when they say stop, it means stop. We also want our kids to know that when they're playing with someone, whether it's their cousin, their sibling, or any friend, that if they're if that person says stop playing with me or I don't want to play right now or 
don't call me or I don't want to do that or I don't want to give you a hug or I don't want that that's their firm answer as well there's you know a little controversy about sharing and sharing oftentimes digs into the consent topic and I am a might find it wrong but I don't believe in sharing as an adult I don't share random things if I have a sandwich and someone wants a bite fuck you you're not getting a bite of my sandwich. I'm very, very touchy when it comes to food. But besides that, I'm not sharing shit. I'm not sharing my shoes. I'm not sharing my man. I'm not sharing my car. I don't just share things because it's nice. I share things because I want to. Not because someone asked and I feel obligated to. And so if as an adult, I have the choice to say no to someone, if I don't want to share my new Balenciagas with them, the same thing has to go for kids. Now, we want to teach our kids that if you're playing with something, especially if that toy is not yours, that you have to share because it isn't yours and that other people are allowed to play with the toys that you are using as well. But this is more for a case if this is something of your child's, this is their personal item, they have all right and all ability to say no. I don't want anyone else playing with it. It's theirs. They have they have the right to say no to that. And so, you know, sharing and consent can really be a conversation, you know, together where you can show them that if, you know, let's say they were playing with something and you just took it, that would be ask would that would be like not asking for consent. And so if you, you are trying to see how you can piece this conversation into something else. That is definitely one way to do that. The next one is encourage open dialogue. Open dialogue, open conversations really allow for your kids to feel comfortable telling you things that may feel uncomfortable to them. If your kids feel really scared that you're going to do something or that you're going to get angry, then they might not come to you. And... I have to say that that was one of the reasons why I didn't tell anyone for so long because I knew what the reaction would have been. And crazy enough, the reaction would have been in my favor. But I was a, I was a very intellectual child, still am. But I knew, you know, when your parents say, oh, if anybody touched my baby, I'm killing them. I'm going to kill this person if they touch my baby. I'm going to beat this person's ass if they touch my baby. Your baby's listening and your baby doesn't want you to go away. I didn't want my mom to go to jail. I didn't want my mom to get in trouble because she killed somebody because I know she would have. So I said nothing so I can protect my mom. Isn't that crazy? I used to think that that meant so much until I got older and I was like, wow, it's actually, a, you know, unknowingly, it's a scare tactic. You want your kids to know that you have their back and that you won't whip anybody ass for them, which is great. But at the same time, they see what happens to people when they do bad things. They go to jail, they go to prison, they get hurt, whatever the case is. They get in trouble, their kids get taken away. Something happens. Your kids are not as juvenile as you may think. And so they're aware of cause and effect. If my mama do this, then this go happen. I don't want that to happen, so I'm not going to tell my mama, so it won't happen. 
So we want to definitely encourage an open dialogue and refrain from saying things like, oh, what did that person do? I'm about to beat that person up. I'm coming to that school to handle that person. Refrain from trying to say things like that. Though that is how you feel on the inside and that is exactly what you're going to do because I ain't finna turn up in this school right now. But, but we want our kids to feel safe. We want our kids to feel like their parents are level-headed and that they will not jeopardize what they have right now. Because that's one thing. Our kids need that constant security, that constant, you're going to be here forever. That's what our kids think. We are going to be here forever. And so we, we don't want to say things that will hinder that security. And so try to be open and truthful when your child shows curiosity about their bodies. Like I mentioned earlier, teaching them the correct anatomical terms for all body parts, including those covered by a bathing suit, of course. Answering any questions as honestly as you can when they ask about their bodies or where does babies come from or why does daddy have a penis? What does a penis do? What is the thing behind the penis? Why does mommy's vulva look like that? Whatever it may be. What are stretch marks? What... There's so many questions and there are there are tons of ways that we can answer these questions in a manner that doesn't begin with, you're not old enough for that. I'll tell you when you're older. There are ways that you can, as, uh, <laughs> as Kevin would say from the office, why say more word when less do trick? Shorten it. Make it sound as less do trick. As possible because no word do trick too. So let's remember that our kids are very quick individuals. If they're going to ask us a question, they don't want the full on scientific reasoning for it. They want to hear something. And, and, and also, it's dependent on your child. If your child is very inquisitive and wonder a lot, like I was, my mom got me up bunch of books that explained everything about your body before puberty after puberty and really talked about all of it and then when I finished reading or I had questions I wrote it down on a sticky note and I had the chance to sit down and talk to my mom about it it was amazing it gave me the opportunity to read some things maybe I didn't want to ask her and then still come back and ask her when I was confused or maybe I really wanted to kind of have more elaboration or since obviously she was a woman Maybe she'll give me some insight on what I could be expecting. How does a period feel like? What is that? What is it? What does it mean to be menstruating? How long does it take to menstruate? What are the? Why do I need to shave? Do I want? These are things that I was asking at seven. I got my period at nine. I didn't have a lot of time to really not know anything. I got my period in the fifth grade. I will never forget February twenty seventh. 2005 <laughs> and it, it was one of those I'm thankful for my mom's medical background I'm thankful for her amazing spirit and her openness and we was raised in a Montessori household so she loved having all of the questions and pondering and curiosity being brought to her and so she never strayed away from any any <laughs> question but at the same time, um, we we want them to feel comfortable in their curiosity. 
and feel confident in whatever answer that we give them and also let them know that hey I can I can really just kind of tell you this much now because everything that's left is a little bit more on a another level and as you get older you'll start to to understand it a little bit more and then we can go back and talk about it and continue on and you know kind of make it ha- make more sense but pushing them aside deflecting and completely ignoring is not going to do anything and like i've mentioned before someone else will tell them and they'll tell them in front of teachers like me <laughs> so please try to help your kids curiosity and answer those questions for them you are the first person that they tend to go to don't be the last the next topic or subtopic is offer alternatives to hugs and kisses now of course i know it's hard especially with family like i said i am haitian so we you know if you're caribbean african or you're just a person of color we typically have a lot of uh, cultural similarities we kiss people whether it's on both cheeks one cheek you may bow you may you know maybe uh, you may just embrace people with a hug or a kiss on their hand or something um you may have to you know speak their language or get down on their level which whatever it is but typically we all have um like restricted and very strict traditional roles that we all play man man woman child doesn't matter if you walk into a room, especially if you are Haitian, you kiss everybody. If there's 50 people in the room, you give them 50 kisses. If there's 100 people in the room, you give them 100 kisses. When COVID happened, it was the best moment for us. We was like, oh, no more kisses. <laughs> Walking into rooms, you didn't have to kiss nobody. Just give everybody a big high. And it's like, what's up? Oh, thank God. Kids have it so much better nowadays. But um, show your kids and let other people know. Let your, your grandparents, your your parents, your cousins, your aunts, uncles, whomever, especially if they're, you know, from an older generation and they don't live, they see these movements or things as uh, rude or disrespectful or the new age parenting, um, show them that there's other ways to show love. Showing love is not just a kiss and a hug. It could be a pound, it could be a high five. It could be a dance from the distance. It can be a silly face. It can just be a wave. It could be blowing a kiss. It could be many different things. It could be a bow too, you know, but it doesn't have to be a physical touch. I don't have to touch you to show you love. Sometimes maybe, you know, the person just wanted to be acknowledged. That's fine. But one, they are kids. So how much acknowledgement do you expect really? But you also want your kids to know that, you know, it's okay to want to do something different. Maybe they're tired of hugging and kissing all the time. Maybe they want to see your moves. Maybe they want to, you know, do a secret handshake. I love handshakes. You know, try and make saying hi and goodbye more fun than it. Say goodbye to everybody. Did you give everyone a kiss? Did you give everyone a hug? It sounds like a job. Like it's torture. And it really used to feel torture to me as a kid. And, you know, especially now that Jenny's younger, every time we get on the phone, everyone's like, oh, bam, bizu, bam, bizu, 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 bam, bizu, which means give me a kiss, give me a kiss, give me a kiss. And of course, you know, as she's young, all you want is kisses and kisses. But I do, you know, in those conversations, I do 
throw out there like, oh, she's not really looking like she wants to kiss right now, but I think she wants to wave and say hi. Or Jenny, do you, you want to blow a kiss? No, you don't want to blow a kiss? Okay, that's fine. And I let the person know, well, she's not really in the mood for kisses right now, so we're going to move forward. We're not going to keep asking her for a kiss. Get the fuck on. <laughs> and I've told that to everyone. Grandparents, uncles, aunts, godparents. It doesn't matter. You know, let's move forward from this. We're not going to force a kid to do something that they don't want to. It's weird. And it's creepy and it will get you cut off. So stop. <laughs> so, so, so far, we have talked about five subtopics. I had to count that silently. We've talked about five subtopics. The first one was model it yourself. Doing the things that you want your kids to see you do, that you want your kids to follow as well, is really important. Rethink tickling, tickling and other games of that nature. You want your kids to be confident if they say stop or no or it's enough that the other party will listen and vice versa. If someone tells your kids stop enough, you know, or whatever, that they also understand that it means to stop or to ask if the person's okay and if they want to continue or if it really means to stop. The third one was teach that consent goes both ways, which goes with what I mentioned for tickling, of course. We want our kids to understand that if they say no, it means no. And if someone else says no, it means no as well. We want to encourage open dialogue. We want our kids to be comfortable coming and asking us questions. We don't want to push them away. We don't want to tell them that this is something for older kids or I'll tell you when you're older. You can give little bits and pieces of information as much as they're able to understand in their age group. But you don't want them to find the answer out on their own because they will. We also want to offer alternatives to hugs and kisses. There are plenty of ways that we can show love and affection that has nothing to do with kissing or hugging. The next subtopic is to give permission to speak firmly. Explain to your child that a firm, loud no or stop is okay. Even encouraged when their body is being touched in a way they don't like. You may want to model this and role play it mainly because it's a significant exception to how we usually teach children to interact. And that is very true and I've mentioned this over and over again. Your kids being firm in their answer is incredible. I was a child that was often easily persuaded, depending on the thing. Some things very firm, very stubborn. But um, when it came to people that I loved or, you know, family especially, I was easily persuaded. I, you know, and, and that's why it, I guess it was easier to target me in a sense. But, I, you know, it didn't take much for me to be like, okay, it's okay, I'll do it, or it's fine, or no problem, and no, it is a problem, no, I don't want to do it, no, that is not fine, yes, that did hurt my feelings, no, I will not accept that anymore. We want for our kids to be very direct in what they're saying. Like we said, no means no, and yes means yes. Though as your kids are growing up, of course, they're flipping it, yes means no, and no means yes and stuff. 
But <clears throat> as they get older, we definitely want them to know and understand that what you say matters. And your words hold a lot of power. And so I will always take what you say seriously. And so you have to be serious with what you're saying. And our last subtopic is give them choices over other things. Having control is something that's still new to a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, even a 16-year-old. At some point until they reach the point of, you know, adulthood or, you know, they're in college where there is no one calling on them, checking on them, making sure that they did their homework or anything. Control is very new to our children. They do not know what it means to be controlled, what it looks like to have control, what it means to push out control. And so they need to see that. They need to see you in control. They need to see you under control. They don't need to see you out of control, for sure. But they are often highly interested in being in charge of something. Most of our kids are, you know, very firm and loud leaders. Jenny is definitely a leader. She is the first to usually embrace or hug or acknowledge someone. She is very, very um, direct. She's a sweetheart as well. Um, but, it, you know, I can tell when the other kid may not be like that. And so I, I, though she is young, of course, and a lot of parents are like, oh, it's okay, it's fine. I'm like, no, she needs to start to understand that if someone is not reciprocating the same thing as you, you need to back away because <laughs> we're not trying to push, you know, just because she's cute and she's young. I don't want to make her think that that's okay to just push yourself onto someone neither. And though she is nonverbal at the moment, you know, she, she has only said her first two words, um, but she does, she does notice when someone is not reciprocating that same hug or, you know, embracing her, she does take a step back and she looks at them and sees if they're inviting her and if they're not, she'll turn away. And so she's only 14 months. So it can really be as early as one years old, but, um, you want to give them little responsibility, responsibilities like what they what they can wear or other small choices like um, what they may eat for dinner, what they can eat first for dinner or maybe give them options on where they can go for tomorrow. Maybe you have um, like dates planned or anything um, because the emphasis is that they want to be like you. They see that mama and papa is in control or mama and mama, papa and papa, whomever is in the house, you guys are in control. You guys tell me what to do. You guys do things in your own way. And I see you. everything seems to have a rhythm or a purpose. I want to do that too. Um, at, at just 14 months old, my, my daughter is already, she has a little um, cleaning set, a broom and, you know, a duster and stuff. And if I take out my broom and I'm brooming, she will take out her broom and start brooming too. And so... She wants to feel like she's doing something. She's helping. She's in somewhat of control. So I give her a space where she can be completely in control, and that's her room. Her room, there are no rules. Everything in her room is safe. They are, you know, studded to the wall so they're, it won't tip over. There's nothing in there that will provide a choking hazard or anything. So I don't have to be over her shoulder worrying. 
she has a we we live in Montessori home so she has a uh, toddler wardrobe where she can hang her own clothes she puts her shoes away when we come back from outside she knows where her sunglasses are you know she looks in the mirror when she's done getting dressed there's little moments in their lives that they really want to be like you they want to emulate you they want to mimic you they want to imitate you all of those things is linked to that control aspect that you have as a parent and you want to have moments where your child is in control of whatever that situation may be maybe it's you know delegating certain tasks to them maybe they can wipe down the dishes maybe they can push the door closed when the fridge is done little things will give them that sense of empowerment that sense of yes i did so And so that was the last subtopic for um, different ways you can support your child's understanding of consent. And so I hoped that these subtopics really helped. If you feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't get a chance to take notes, don't worry. I actually have this as a blog post written down so you can go ahead and check out my website. I will have this particular blog post in the description of the podcast itself. And so you will have the opportunity to go and explore that as well and maybe explore any other topics that I've spoken about before. And I just want to reiterate that same message again. Our kids are imitating us. They are watching what we're doing, they are seeing how we do things, and they are using those moments to piece together how life should be. Consent and teaching them consent is a really important tool, especially in today's world. We need for our young children to know that someone's words matter someone's choices matter and what someone wants done to their body matters to them and so we want to definitely make sure that everyone in the future understands these things and to really just protect our children as a survivor of sexual assault and abuse as a child, I can say that a lot of these tools were given to me, but I didn't know how to use them. And I would know, I would have known better if, if I did, or if I was well equipped with that confidence, but that doesn't mean that I can allow for others to go through the same thing. And so if you yourself have ever gone through any kind of abuse or trauma and you aren't really sure how to have these conversations with your kids, definitely listen to this, re-listen to it, message me, contact me, let's be friends. I am on Instagram at The Modern Mama. I am on TikTok as well. And I'm also on Facebook. We do have a group called The Modern Mama. It is a private group, but you can definitely join as well and you know connect let's talk let's figure out what we can do because you are not in on this alone remember we are doing this as a village we are doing this together we cannot do this alone nor do I want to do this alone so 
come and connect with me, follow me. Let's be friends. I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. The Modern Mama's out. Bye.